Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You gotta score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation, back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio for this Thursday, October 13th, 2022. DeMond Cotton behind the wheels of steel, and I'm here holding it down for the next three hours. Excited about the show that we have lined up for you today. Excited about every day we get to come in here, talk some Raider football, have some good laughs, obviously talk with Raider Nation, and uh, just like I said, have a good time for the next three hours here on Raider Nation Radio 920. We definitely appreciate everyone who interacts with the show, no matter if you call in or you text in at 691 keyword R&R. Of course, we'll have plenty of interaction throughout the course of the show. Got a lot to get to in a little bit amount of time. I say that all the time, and it feels like we have plenty of time. I remember when this show went from two hours to three hours. I remember Damon saying, I don't know, Q. I don't know if we're going to be able to fill all three hours. And I said, man, come on. By the time that three hours is going to look up, you're going to look up and say, what happened to the other two hours? You're going to be wondering what in the world's going on, and we're going to have a lot of stuff left over till the next day. And, Damon, <laughs> as you are my witness, do we not have plenty of stuff every day left over? Every day. Yesterday's show, we walked out of here, and I was thinking to myself, we could have win an extra hour. We could have win an extra hour. Right. Absolutely. No doubt. And it's, it's the bye week, right? <laughs> it's the bye week. What's the, what's the chance of that? But uh, that's the beauty of this, and, and that's why we uh, we come here every day and have a lot of fun. So we're going to have fun with you this afternoon. Coming up at 2.30, Tim 30, I should call it, right? The Hall of Famer, Tim Brown. He's going to join the show just to talk about what he's seen from the silver and black through the first five weeks of the season, what he's seen just from the continuity of the offense or the lack of continuity on the offense. He's been a guy very positive on Twitter, been putting out a lot of positive uh, uh, notes just saying, you know, the team needs to stay together, saying the fact that when the Raiders went to the Super Bowl, uh, they won the first four and then they lost the next four and they ended up in the Super Bowl. So uh, there's plenty of time to get this thing turned around. So it's always good to hear from a uh, touchdown Tim Brown. Last time I saw him was actually week three. Uh, when the Raiders hosted the Denver Broncos at Allegiant Stadium, he was on the pregame show with JT and Eric Allen, and that was always great to, to hear and be able to see him. And man, Demond, anytime Tim Brown is around anywhere. It's just crazy the amount of people that are there. So as soon as people realized Tim Brown was going to be at the uh, at the torch right there on the Coors Light landing inside Allegiant Stadium, everyone just just piled in there, and it just was a, a massive crowd. But that just that just shows you the star power of Tim Brown. They had uh, Fred Belitnikoff before Timmy, and then Timmy came on after that. So can you imagine that two Hall of Famers at the pregame show with JT and Eric Allen and. And Eric Allen, a guy that probably should be a, a HOFer as well. So, I mean, that's that's a star-studded affair. But uh, Tim Brown is always a really good get and excited to talk to him this afternoon. Yeah, I was going to say, because I've been around him a few times too, and it's almost like a Hall of Fame aura. They don't need to wear the gold jacket, but you just look at a Hall of Famer. I just look at him a little bit differently. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, man, this I'm in the presence of greatness right now. Right. Well, the thing about it is, and I remember asking uh, LaDainian Tomlinson, this was really the first time I had been around the Hall of Fame in general is when LT was getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. And I remember asking him, you know, um, you know, what did you think of? What did, what was your mindset, uh, you know, as you, you went and played your career to get to the Hall of Fame? And he was like, I never even thought about it. He's like, you can't think about getting to the Hall of Fame, right? I mean, he's like, it's just something that, 
You, it just either happens or it doesn't, right? You go out there, you play, and you play at the highest level you can, and you hope to have as much success as possible. He's like, but, you know, if you sit there and think, oh, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be end up being a Hall of Famer, like, that's, a, that's impossible because the journey is so long and trying to get to the league is so long and so hard. And, you know, it's only such a select few. So many people play this game that is the – or play football, and then just to get to the league, that's already a select few. And then the select few that have a long career. And then the select few that have a long career that's really good. <laughs> right and, and and they are uh, you know privileged enough to, to make it to the Hall of Fame so uh it it is different man and so whenever we're at the Super Bowl and we see guys walking around with their uh, with their gold jackets on I don't blame them right I remember uh, talking to Mike Haynes one time when I saw him at the Super Bowl and I see Mike Haynes at the Super Bowl every single year right it's just one of those things but the very first time I saw him at the Super Bowl and he had his gold jacket on I said hey you know what does that mean to you and he's like man it's everything right it's everything so I'm going to wear this gold jacket until I can't wear it no more because it's just it's a it's such a small fraternity that is Hall of Famers, and so you know we've been privileged here at Raider Nation Radio nine twenty to go to the Hall of Fame two years in a row. It's been fantastic, and uh, hopefully that you know the Raiders will get some more guys inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame sooner rather than later. I'm looking at Lester Hayes. I'm looking at Eric Allen. You know, two guys that I would love to see uh, put into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So Tim Brown will join us at two thirty. Coming up at 3 o'clock, of course, the conversation about Devontae Adams and the whole shoving situa- situation on the sideline, a situation that I thought Monday night when it happened, it wasn't going to be something we even talked about, right? It was just going to be like, yeah, it happened. Okay, whatever. And then obviously it's been blowing up. Now, you know, he's got charges filed against him. We're going to talk to Robert Carr, and he's an NFL sideline photographer. He's been covering the Raiders since 2002. He's been on the sideline for over 20 years. So he kind of knows what it's like to, to roam on the, on the sidelines and to roam the tunnels and to be around players when they're coming on and off the field. And so want to just get a different perspective, right? We talk to players. We'll ask Tim Brown about it, right? We'll ask Lincoln Kennedy about it. We, we'll, we ask people all the time, what are your thoughts on it? Again, not blowing it up, not trying to make it bigger than what it needs to be because it's going to play itself out. There's nothing we can say or do about it. But just want to get the perspective of a guy who's on the sidelines with the camera, knowing you know how it gets sometimes. I'm sure he's been on the sidelines and he's filming a play and all of a sudden he gets trucked. Right? How many times does that happen? We see it all the time, right? I know Heidi Fang, who's on the morning tailgate, she's on the sideline all the time. She's always out there filming. I'm sure there's been times where she's ran into a situation where, you know, a player either ran into her or maybe she got in the way or this, that, and the other. I know from my personal experience being on the sideline, you got to keep your head on a swivel, right? I mean, all the time, there's always a lot of guys that are always like looking back and not paying attention. And I actually used to work with the young lady who literally got trucked by a high schooler, right? I mean, just, just <laughs> trucked. I mean, she's up here filming. She, she was working with the, uh, the local news station. And of course, I was at the radio station and I was doing sidelines and she was just filming and, it, you know, everyone's like, hey, coming this way, coming this way. But she she was getting that shot, man. She was getting that one shot. Then all of a sudden, this dude just kind of did a little shimmy. And someone pushed him out of bounds and right into her. bye I mean, it's on, it's on YouTube. You can, I mean, you can literally, you can Google it and see how well she got blasted. Jessica Mori is her name, as a matter of fact, if you want to Google it. I'm just saying. But she got blasted. It was, uh, it was Temple High School. I promise you, man, it was, it was like it was yesterday. But, I mean, obviously, that's a different situation. But the point is, being on the sidelines is different, man. You always got to be really careful. You got to understand the situation. You got to understand the players. Uh, and, and again, when, when the game is over or even going into halftime and the players are coming off the field, there's always one of those, hey, get out of the way. Make sure you're not blocking. Coming out of the press box, that's the same situation we have. And even when we're downstairs getting ready to get into the locker room, if the players are coming across, it's like, everyone stop. Everyone stop. 
players are coming through, and that's what we have to do. So I just thought it would be good. We talked to uh, we talked to my guy Daniel Lush yesterday, the sports attorney. I think it will be good to talk to Robert Carr, NFL sideline photographer, been covering the Raiders since 2002. And, oh, by the way, Damon, Robert Carr is in Hawaii right now. Must be nice, right? Must be nice to be in Hawaii. So he's going to take a few minutes of his time in Hawaii to uh, to share some of his uh, sidelines experiences and what his thoughts are on this whole Devontae Adams situation. At 4 o'clock each Tuesday and Thursday, we talk to Lincoln Kennedy uh, from the Raiders Radio Network, former offensive lineman, and uh, we'll talk to him just all things silver and black like we do each Tuesday and Thursday. And then at 4.30, our guest lineup gets rounded out with Vinny Bonsignor from the Morning Tailgate right here on Raider Nation Radio 920, also the Las Vegas Review Journal. And we talked to him on Monday prior to the game against the Chiefs. Want to talk to him now that the Raiders are all the way in their bye week. And the cool thing about their bye week is it's almost over, right? I mean, that's the good thing about it being a Monday night. And I'm sure it's not good for them as they're trying to get rest and trying to heal up. But the beautiful thing about it is it's already Thursday, right? I mean, their bye week literally is almost over. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk to Vinny, see what he thinks about the team, see if he's seeing the improvement, you know, what he thinks that they need to do. Now they got the long stretch. After this bye week, man, it's, there's no more. There's no more days off. There's no more weeks off. It's it's till the end of the season, and if they win enough games, potentially more. But you know, I had I was doing an interview today with a, a radio station in Utah, and they were asking me about the playoffs, and I was like, "Look, dude, I cut him off right when he said playoffs. I said, no disrespect, dude. Just don't want to talk about the playoffs right now. I want to talk about a win, right? I've seen one win." There's no need to talk about playoffs right now while there's one win under the belt. They've got to be able to stack a few wins before anyone talks about that. So right now for this team, in my opinion, it's just learn how to win. Go get those W's. And I'm not saying they don't know how to win. We just haven't seen them do it consistently. Go out there and consistently win a few games. Go win three out of four. Go win four out of four. Then we could talk about what they might do at the end of the season. Right now, it's about, I told them straight up, it's about Houston. (laughs) Houston's the only game that, the Raiders should care about right now. Everyone else is talking about, oh, six games in a row, five games in a row, and then 10 out of the next 12. I've heard it all. Don't want to hear none of it. Just want to hear one game at a time. As boring as that is, that's what they got to do. So as you can tell, we got a lot to get to on today's show. Tim Brown at 2.30, Robert Carr from three, at 3 o'clock, Lincoln Kennedy at 4 o'clock, Vinny Bonson, you are at 4.30, and Robert, <laughs> Robert uh, quote tweeted my tweet when I put out the, the guest lineup, and he was like, oh, no pressure, just in between Tim Brown and Lincoln Kennedy. What, what could go wrong? <laughs> That is a bad position to be in, right? I wouldn't want to be in that spot either. Oh, Tim Brown, Q, and Lincoln Kennedy. Yeah, what could go wrong? Well, just the dummy in the middle. <laughs> so, anyway, but Robert will be fine. Tim Brown, 2.30, Robert Carr, 3 o'clock, Lincoln Kennedy at 4, and Vinny Bossador at 4.30. That's the guest lineup here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Well, we're going to find that video. DeMond's been trying to find that video on YouTube of Jessica Mori getting blown up on the sideline. We'll find that during the commercial break, but let's go ahead and get into the opening drive. And I saw a report earlier today about William Jackson, the cornerback out of, uh, he's at Washington right now. He's, he's playing with the Commanders, and apparently he doesn't like the way that they're using him, and he wants wants to trade. William Jackson was a guy that I was a big fan of when he was at the University of Houston. I was hoping that the Raiders were going to draft him. They didn't. Uh, he ended up going to the Bengals in the first round. So uh, he, I think the first year he was in the league, he tore his pec, so he didn't get to play at all. So it was basically like a red shirt year. And he was pretty good in Cincinnati. Washington, 
they run a lot of a, a lot of zone, and he's more of a, a, a press man cover. So I've seen a lot of folks tweeting and even tweeting at me, Q, you think the Raiders need to go make a move for him? I don't know. I'm not here campaigning for the Raiders to go make that move. I'm not saying that he'd be the best piece to the puzzle, but it did get me thinking, and it got the wheels turning a little bit. And I know that the, you know, the trade deadline's coming up pretty soon. There's some teams like Washington that you already know is out of it. Like Washington, their coach is saying the reason why they're struggling is their quarterback. Their quarterback is there, <laughs> right? They made the move for their quarterback. And five games in, they're like, what's the problem? Quarterback, <laughs> right? I mean, that, how bad is that? So what does that tell you? Season's over. You already see my guy, Matt Rule, got fired in Carolina. So as far as I'm concerned, season's over. So there's some teams that can already turn in their pads and worry about their vacation. So I'm looking at some of these teams out there, and I'm thinking, okay, is there a move out there with some of these teams that look like they're washed and they're not going to get anything done? Like, I believe the Raiders, and it sounds so dumb to say, are the best 1-4 team in the league, right? It sounds ignorant to say it. The best 1-4 team. Well, that's nothing to hang your hat on, but they're the most talented. I guess that's the best way to put it. Most talented 1-4 team in the league. I think that they could still make moves, but like I just said, they got to win one game at a time. But it did get the wheels turning in my head, and I want to throw this out there to you, Raider Nation. 702-365-9200 and 69187, keyword r as the text line. Don't want to get crazy. Don't want to derail everything too much. I had a great topic yesterday. I had a great topic yesterday and got derailed immediately. I, I'm not going to lie, Demond, I was a little salty when I got home. I was a little salty when I got home last night. Oh, I can tell you were a little salty during the first commercial break. <laughs> Because you know how you have a vision in your mind and then it doesn't play out that way? It's like that trip to Livermore when I was riding that bike and I knew I was going to see Cheryl. And then I didn't get to see Cheryl. Then I had to sleep in the park with the sprinklers going off, right? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I was salty. So I was a little salty yesterday that I had a great topic and it got derailed immediately. So I'm going to try not to do that. I'm going to try to get it focused. Maybe some of the derailment was my own fault. I tend to go, you know, all over the place sometimes. That's how I do. But I do want to know and I want to hear from you. Is there a roster move or moves you think that the Raiders can make that are reasonable? Not to create, like, don't go get Aaron Donald. That's not happening. You know, something like that. Some reasonable move that they can make to improve a position or a certain side of the ball that can help this team continue to, to, to build and grow and be better. Like, is there an area of weakness that you say, hey, you know what? With this, they can improve immediately. Because I think we've all... Come to the understanding and agreement. I know my guy Quick right here in Vegas called a couple times and told us they have top-end talent. They don't have depth. There's certain areas of the team that I think there's still weaknesses. Nate Hobbs has a broken hand. How is that going to affect him moving forward? Rocky Asin, he's a guy on a one-year deal. You saw what the guys you know, in the middle, Andrew Billings, Jonathan Hankins, Bilal Nichols, what they've been able to do. I think they've done a decent job. I really do. You know they're not getting pressure on the quarterback. But they're, they're doing a pretty good job against the run, so I'll give them that. But is there some area that you look at and say, if they only had this, it would be much more improved? I know it's easy to say, well, go improve the offensive line, but how? How are you going to do that? I think that GM Dave Ziegler, probably Josh McDaniels as well, has probably been trying to figure that out since they got here. But again, that's just my thoughts. I, don't, I think a corner would be a good addition. I really do. R- regardless if it's, if it's William Jackson or someone else. Like I said, William Jackson was a guy I was a fan of coming out of, out of college in Houston. He's now like 29 years old. So, I mean, he's not like he's a rookie anymore. I think he's allowed a lot of reception so far this year, and that's one of the reasons he wants out of D.C. I think he's like, I don't know, I think he's allowed like 16 catches this year. I mean, it's not good. Let's put it like that. But 
if a guy becomes available that, you know, maybe Patrick Graham looks at and says, hey, hey, uh, Dave, that would help help my defense right now. Because I think some of the way, reasons why Patrick Graham is running the defense the way he's running it is because he's forced to. He's 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 working it the way he has the talent for. Or, or you know, he's, he's manning it with the talent that he has. So I think that if they can go out and get a, a move for a corner that could really help them out. And this is something we talked about in the summer. Right? How many times did I say a veteran corner would be really good? I like the guys that they have. I, I think Hobbs is fantastic. I like Amik the way he's coming along. I think Rock is good. But is it what is is that enough? Or do they need more? And and look, there could be a position that I'm not even thinking about. Because like I said, my, my, my triggers went off as soon as I saw William Jackson wanted out of D.C. Again, I'm not pounding the table for him. I just think it would be a good move to make for a guy that's a you know, for a, 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 a pretty big corner, if if one was available, if Dave Ziegler could find one, I would have no problem. And then some people might say, you know what, Q? It's not even worth it. Why give up more assets for a season that we don't believe is, 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 is playoff worthy? And that's fine. That's fair. That could be a part of the conversation. Because if you don't feel like that player is going to help the team enough to make a difference this year, then maybe you don't go make a move. Maybe you just say, you know what? Rock with what you got. See how it shakes out. Go into the offseason and understand what you need. That's a, that's a very simple answer that you might think. 702-365-9200. Also, our text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Got a bunch of texts rolling through already. Glenn in San Jose said, I don't think the roster needs improvement. It's the play calling that does. Okay. Simple. I like it. Glenn, thank you so much for that. Uh, Sir Whiskey Ray, Q, I'm still mad at you for that night in Livermore. What could have been? That's... <laughs> now, usually it's you. Yeah, usually it hits me with the Kayla. Love it when it's on the other foot. Yeah, Exactly. Thanks, Sir Whiskey Ray. I appreciate that. Let's see. We got another one. Uh, what's crazy is that Will Smith assaulted a guy in front of the world. No police report. And uh, Tay bumps into a guy and gets in legal trouble. Shaking my head. Well, the thing is that the guy that Will Smith assaulted, Chris Rock, w- whether that was real or not, I still am the guy that doesn't believe it was even real. Wow, I, I don't. I don't care. It's Look, they're, holly- they're actors for a reason. They act. But whatever. Chris Rock didn't go file charges on him either. <laughs> right? I mean... No charges were filed because the guy that, that got bumped or pushed or whatever you want to say about with Devontae Adams, he filed the charges. So, I mean, that, that's, that's why there's charges. I think it's silly, too. I can't even believe that it's as big as it is. I thought it was going to be a, hey, let me write a check. Let me get a fine made by the league and call it a day. Thought that was what it was going to be. Now, all of a sudden, there's charges. Like, come on, man. It's wild. Uh, Raider Chavez 916 said, I went up to the torch to meet you during the Broncos game. It was definitely a bonus to see my favorite player, Tim Brown, uh, on the hit that stage. That made my trip. Raider Chavez 916. Uh, I do remember meeting him, and uh, he had talked about a text that he had sent, sent in to us. And so, uh, yeah, man, it's always good to have a nice little meeting place up there at the torch, which is uh, at Allegiant Stadium at the torch of the Coors Light Landing. So there you go. Uh, got a couple good texts here. Or got a couple good tweets here, actually. Uh... This one is from NC Raider for life. Q, go get Sue. Daryl Williams for right tackle. Fire McMahon. Terrible special teams. Okay. Uh, he, took, he, took, he took the conversation to another level. <laughs> that's a lot of moves there. But, I mean, look, sometimes you make a, a addition by subtraction. So that's basically what he's saying. Like, hey, you know, this unit will be better if this guy wasn't there. And I think that everyone questioned the hiring of Coach McMahon, the special teams coach, when he got hired. Only because we saw the recent history. Now, I think that He's been okay. I think the special teams unit has been okay outside of kick coverage, which is obviously massive. The kick coverage has bothered me to the point every week I'm like, kick the ball out of bounds. 
Just kick the ball out of the back of the end zone. Don't even allow them to return the ball because when they do, the Raiders have been getting torched. They just happen to benefit from the fact that there's been so many flags that they don't, you know what I mean, that they, they keep getting called back. But, man, that's, so, that's an area that definitely needs improvement. Uh, I think Matt Collins has been a good a good piece on that special teams as far as getting down like as a gunner, getting down the field and trying to make tackles and disrupting the return game. But, man, that has been a problem. As far as like A.J. Cole and and uh, Daniel Carlson, those dudes are those those guys are money, right? Those guys, I, I I you know I count on those dudes all the time. I just know that they're gonna make it happen. Every once in a while, AJ Cole he he punts so well he he outkicks his coverage, <laughs> right? But he he does a great job, and uh, so does Daniel Carlson. That's why I, th- I think that's why Ra- Raider Nation was so angry when Daniel Carlson didn't get an opportunity to kick it on Monday night because everyone knew like man, if that dude gets a chance, more more times than not, he's gonna come through clutch. So there you go. But yeah, I want to hear from you at 69187, keyword R&R, and also 702-365-9200. We have Tim Brown coming up at 230. Demon, I ask you, I'll turn it over to you. Is there an addition that you think that the Raiders need to make or should make for this team? Oh, to that last uh, texter that texted in about Indomitian Sue and Orlando Brown, I would say Brown, maybe to sure up that offensive line, you don't bring in Justin Heron for no reason, and he's now on IR. So I do think that they would feel more comfortable with it, adding an additional piece on the offensive line. O-line, yeah. When it comes to the defensive line in Dominican Sioux, I say give up that pipe dream. I do too. Football, it's yeah. not like basketball where, hey, he can come off the bench, and if he gets hot and drop 20, it's good for the team. I think that's too big of a personality to bring in to a 1-4 team right now. I'm not saying that he's a bad guy or a bad teammate, but he would just command so much of a presence just from the locker room perspective of him being such a big personality and a legend in the game. I'll give him that. I think he's going to Canton when he finally hangs him up for good. But how much is he actually going to help this team if he were to bring him in? And Dominican Sue, maybe at the beginning of the season, right. training camp, right. I would have said, hey, and Dominican Sue, that was good. I think I was in that camp a little bit of, hey, bring Sue in for training yeah. camp, see what yeah. happens. But now that this team is 1-4, and four, leave him alone, let that go. Right. So no, for me, I'm with you. when it comes to what can they add, I'd say add nothing. Maybe if you want to go get because, a veteran offensive lineman, mm-hmm. maybe. But I don't think the problems that this team has been facing is due to a lack of what they do not have on this roster as of now. You can still win the games. They've been in every game sure. so far. And it's not just because, hey, if we had a better cornerback here or a better safety there. Yeah, of course, everybody, every team could say that if you had all pros at every position, you wouldn't. No, nobody would lose. Right, right. No, you're. I mean, and I'm not asking for all pros at every position, but you know, it's 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 tough when you look around the league and two guys that I pounded the table for, and I know that it doesn't matter. You know, woulda, coulda, shoulda don't matter. You know, but James Bradbury, pick six and, first game, and Stephon Gilmore both playing well, both playing really well. Two guys that I know we pounded the table for and said the Raiders should go out and make moves for those guys. And look, I I'm not questioning the dudes that the Raiders have. I'm questioning the depth of what the do, uh, of what the Raiders have. They don't have quality depth if a guy goes down if a Nate Hobbs goes down with a broken hand I mean literally Nate Hobbs is going to be out there now I don't know how long I don't know how many fingers he's broke or or, or bones I should say bones because I don't know the extent of it I just know what he put out on Twitter and Instagram I mean he's out there with a club on so he probably can play probably play corner no doubt but I think the jam at the line of scrimmage is going to be a little difficult and sure as hell coming down with the ball is going to be a little difficult it's not easy to intercept the ball with a club in one hand I know it's possible I know before I get flooded with, you know, this guy did this, this guy, did, I get it. It's just not ideal. I'm just saying in a team that's starving for turnovers, it's not ideal to be out there with the club. I love Nate Hobbs' spirit. 
I love the fact that he don't care that he has a club on it, just like Max Crosby did when he uh, went out there his rookie year in preseason and broke his hand and put a club on it, went out there and balled out. Not questioning any of that. Just saying it's less than ideal. And when you have lack of depth, you have to say, hey, Nate, can you give it a go? Nate will say, yep, of course I can. Simple as that. Got a couple more texts I'd like to get to. 69187, keyword R&R. It would be absurd for a 1-4 team to not look to improve their roster any way that they can. That's fair. But like I was saying, the reason I could understand when someone says, no, don't try to you know, make any move is because why give up some capital if, if, you know, you, if you feel like the season isn't going the way it should go anyway? Like, is that one player going to make that season turn around? I'm just looking for, can this team continue to build it and, and get it in its liking where it's like, okay, I have all the, all the pieces that I need to make this team successful. You know, obviously it goes back to what you said at the very beginning. It's all about the execution as well, right? We had a texter say, you know, the coaching has got to be better as well. Uh, got another text. If not Sue, some defensive tackle that brings that strength, pass rush. That's a, uh, that's a good one. And Mailman Raider brings up a great point. Q, I'm not too sure what the Panthers roster on D looks like, but maybe find something there to dip into. Didn't they get J.C. Horn last year? Maybe an offensive lineman? Just an idea. I would, if I'm Dave Ziegler, and I'm sure he's already done this, the minute Matt Rule got fired, I mean, the minute that the paperwork hit, the, hit New York's office and that this dude was fired, I'd have been all over that roster. I really would have because they went out and the last what the first year of Matt Rule, they went out and drafted nothing but defensive players. They spent the whole draft, all their draft capital on defensive guys. Then they went out and got some dudes on offense as well the next year. But I mean, for the most part, I believe that that roster has a lot of talent. I'm not saying that they're just really to get rid of it all. But you heard the minute that he, he got fired, they were like, oh, Christian McCaffrey's on the hot spot. You know, he's he's ready to get traded. They're going to move on from him now. I don't think the Raiders have any need for a running back. They have a quality one named uh, Josh Jacobs, not to mention all the others. So that wouldn't even be a conversation. But I would look at the at the Panthers lineup. I would look at Washington's lineup. I would look at, you know, other teams in the league. Hell, I'd look at like Atlanta's lineup. You know, a few teams that you look at. Again, the Raiders are one and four, so they don't have any room to brag about, you know, how great they are. But I feel like that they're a different level one and four, if that makes any sense, right? I mean, they're they're a talented one and four that just hasn't got it done. So I would look at some of those teams through five games or five weeks as week six gets started tonight and be like, hey, you know, Chicago. Chicago's playing tonight. Who are they playing tonight? They're playing is Chicago. Washington. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. You want to talk I mean, you thought last week was a snooze fest. You thought last week's Thursday night game. Think about how piss poor this was going to be. Man, come on. But I would look at both of those. Maybe that maybe you could scout scout who you who you might be interested in. This uh <laughs> this this game going on tonight. 226 is the time. We'd love to hear from you. 69187, keyword R and R. Don't call us right now because we have the Hall of Famer, Tim Brown. He's coming up next. We'll ask him about roster moves. We'll ask him about the team. We'll ask him about the Devontae Adams situation and more. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 
And right now, we are joined on the phone lines by the Hall of Famer. That's Tim Brown. Touchdown, Tim Brown. And uh, Mr. Brown, we appreciate your time this afternoon. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, as always. And anytime you're uh, able to take a few minutes out of your time, we definitely appreciate that. And you're silver and black. The Raiders are 1-4. They're in their bye week right now. But I said it earlier, and it sounds silly to say, they look like the best 1-4 team in the league. How close do you think this team is to just figuring it out and getting over the hump? Oh, uh, man, I, I think, you know, look, I, I think they're right there. You know, I really do. I mean, uh, I thought they played some exceptional football uh, Monday night. You know, you play a game like that, you don't have any turnovers, you run for, you know, 140, 150 yards, whatever it was. Uh, Derek Carr looked pretty good. Your star receiver has a couple touchdowns. That's a game you should win. You know what I mean? So, uh but uh, you know that it is Kansas City, and they <laughs> they're doing miraculous things right now to win football games. But um, yeah, so I'm, I'm man, look, I, I I tried to put something out on Monday night or Tuesday. You know, I think uh, sort of talking about the year we went to the Super Bowl, we won four straight, and then we lost four straight, <clears throat> and then we came back and won our last eight uh, to go twelve and four, and you know, be the top seed in the, in the AFC that year. So. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter, and I, I wanted to ask you about that. When you guys were going through that four-game losing streak before you got on the hot streak to, to eventually rattle off eight-in-a-row wins, what was the message in the locker room to keep everyone positive? I mean, exactly what I put in that tweet, man. Just stay together. <clears throat> you know you're a good football team. You won four games straight, so uh, but everybody had to keep believing. And uh, we had some little crazy things happening at that time, but... Uh, we got all those bugs worked out, and you know, and uh, we kept it about football, and not about personalities and and things of that nature. And I think if they can keep it about football in the field, what's happening? I mean, they got to look at the film and be impressed with what they're what they're doing. Um, but you just got to find a way to win these games. And I think you know, if they keep playing the way they're playing, you know, they'll definitely win the game. Talking again right now with the Hall of Famer Tim Brown here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And Coach McDaniels always says about finishing games and learning how to win. At what point do you figure out how to learn how to win and, and how to finish off games? Yeah, you know, but, you know, it, it's it's a different different age of football going on, man. You know, who, who doesn't kick extra points, you know? Who goes for two points when you're up seven, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, so... Um, it, it's winning football, but it's winning differently now. You know what I mean? Right. So um, yeah, I, I don't think you know before you let the you let the game play out. Now I think coaches are really trying to take uh, take advantage of the situation or take the game into their own hands. And uh, so that that's a different that's a different style of winning. You know what I mean? Who knows what would happen if we kicked the extra point and does it go into overtime? I, who knows? We we don't know that, right? But I just think that uh, we had a chance to win it. That was the only thing that that, that really mattered. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it, it's a different form of winning. But yeah, I mean, the only way you can do it, brother, you just have to do it. And I know that's a very simplistic answer, mm-hmm. but that is the only way that you can win. Uh, learn how to win these games. You just got to do it. And once you do it, you and you and you you like it, and you you know you keep coming back uh, week in and week out. Uh, winning these close games, I mean, you know, okay, when we get in the close game next week, you know how to you know how to deal with your emotions and you know how to get the thing done. 
Tim Brown is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. My man Demond's got one for you. When it comes to running routes, we've seen with this Raiders team that there have been certain plays in the red zone where guys are both in the same position. We saw in this past game on Monday night, the end of the game, Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams colliding into each other. What is that chemistry like between receivers on knowing how a play is going to develop and not having these mistakes? Well, I mean, as far as what, what hap- what's happening in the end zone, that's probably somebody not being in the right spot, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sometimes, man, when you're trying to learn these new systems, it, it you know, old things that click back in your head. You know, I, I went through seven or eight, I think, different systems in my 16 years with the Raiders. And, um, you know, so, I mean, we would have the same offensive coordinator and change and change offenses <laughs> from year to year early in my career. So, um, you know, so it, it can be tough out there sometimes because, you know, like I said, things click back in, and it click the, the wrong thing clicks, and all of a sudden you're in the wrong spot. So you know it happens, but obviously we got to get better at that. What happened with at the end of the game? You know, I think Devontae probably should have took an outside release on that and just cleared it out because obviously the play was designed to go to uh, a Rimfro on a little corner out there, and by him taking that inside release and Hunter taking the outside release. They just ended up in the wrong spot, man. That's that's something you'll never see those two do again. But unfortunately, it happened at the wrong time in, uh, in that game. Yeah, no, it did happen at the wrong time. You saw the frustration from Devontae Adams. You saw him, you know, slam the helmet. You saw what happened with the, the cameraman. And, you know, I saw you mention something on Twitter about the whole cameraman situation and not being a big deal. But how many times have you been in a situation like that where, you know, a guy crosses paths immediately after the game and you're just trying to get out of there? But I can't tell you how many times I bumped into people or, you know, I probably didn't push them with my hands. But if I'm getting off the field and you're in my way, then you're not supposed to be in my way. I mean, I should have the right as a player to get off the field uh, any way I want to get off the field. And and, these, and most reporters know that. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the young man wasn't even looking up. He didn't have his eyes up either, you know. Devontae was looking down. He was looking down. And, um, you know, and when you're in a when you're in a – a visiting stadium, especially the Chiefs, you know, if somebody comes up to you like that, you're initially thinking they're coming up to say something or to, to do something, man, because that's your mind, your mindset in a hot cell environment, you know. So I just think it was an unfortunate incident, man. I would love to see the NFL get in this, get involved with this, because, man, you know, you could possibly have cameramen jumping in front of players, not just Raiders, but players around the league. Right. Especially if the cat gets some money out of this deal or something. I just think that would be a shame to see that happen. You know, I didn't even think about it like that. But, yeah, you, you could start to see kind of a trickle-down effect, and that happened more times than not. Again, we got Tim Brown, the Hall of Famer, on the show right now, Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So if you're head coach Josh McDaniels and you're trying to instill a new culture into this locker room, and I know as a, as a longtime Raider as you were, Mr. Raider, you heard that word new culture probably all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and you haven't got that success yet. You know, how does he keep the players together in the locker room? Well, you know, the good thing about this team, man, you know, they were coming off an incredible year, probably one of the more incredible years, definitely in the history of the Raiders franchise. For them to go through everything they went through last year and the end of the year, in the playoffs, you know, a couple of plays away from, from you know, advancing to the uh, divisional playoffs. I mean, you, you had the right attitude in the team. You know what I mean? So that shouldn't be much for him to change. You know, I think at that point it's it's really you know saddle up the pony with a different saddle with a with a with a with a different saddle and just keep the thing going. But don't try and change what the pony has been doing. 
because the Pony obviously did some good things to make it to the playoffs after all the uh, frustrating things that they went through uh, last year. So maybe that's part of the issue. Maybe there you know, was too much of a change uh, when there didn't need to be that, that much of a change. But, you look, I, I got great confidence in, in Josh McDaniels. Yeah, this is a guy who has learned from one of the best that, to ever do it. And um, he's trying to find his own niche for sure. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he had to inside of him because, you know, you don't get raised by great parents and, 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 and be, a, be a dummy. You, you may do dumb things. But it's inside of you <laughs> because it's been put inside to you, and he, he just got to bring it out. That's a great way to put it. I'm using that. I'm, I'm telling you, and I'll give you credit, Tim. I'll give you credit for that one. But you don't get raised by great parents to be a dummy. I'm, I'm using that line, I promise you. <laughs> Tim, in the offseason, you mentioned about Hunter Renfro, how you expected his number of receptions to drop with the addition of Devontae Adams. You said that. He would still be productive in this offense, but he's not going to be up there maybe getting like 100 catches this season here. But we've seen that him and Darren Waller, they've been taken out of their game a little bit. They haven't been as effective with Devontae Adams. Now, you had you had the addition of Jerry Rice. I mean, Charlie Garner, he caught as many receptions as a wide receiver, as a running back. So what did you take from your experience of, hey, some new guys getting targets, but it's not affecting your game and how you play? Well, I mean, the first thing is you got to get all the guys on the field at the same time, man. You know, yeah. we we've only had that for maybe a game and a half all season. It, it feels like with with Renfro being out, you know, for a couple of games, and Darren being in and out with 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 injury problems. You know, I, I think you know you, you practice is one thing, but there's nothing like the live bullets, man, and on game day, and and uh, until they get some uh, a lot of reps, uh, you know. Playing, playing in real games, you know, it's going to take a minute. You know, I mean, obviously this offense is a lot different than what they were doing uh, with Gruden's offense. Uh, it seems to be a lot different. Um, you know, all those little passes for 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 Renfro, they don't seem to be coming as easy as they were in, in last year's offense. So, so that means he's got to change his game a little bit. I mean, there, there are not many times we saw him run those that deep corner route he was trying to run at the end of the game. Uh, in most situations, he'd be breaking that thing off four or five yards and trying to make a move on the guy, get him going one way while he's going the other, and 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 do that. So, but I think the main thing, man, is you know it was unfortunate what happened with with Hunter with the with the concussion. And so he was out a couple games. Uh, now Darren, we don't know, man, with a hamstring this time of year, man, it's just hard, you know, for a big guy like that to get his hamstring. It, that that's a that's man, that could be a killer for us, you know. So. Uh, but we got to find a way to make this thing happen, man. And I don't know when those three are going to be back on the field together. Uh, but, you know, it's got to happen on the on the game field, not in practice. Right. No doubt. And the next time they have an opportunity to play is week seven against Houston at Allegiant Stadium. Again, we're talking with Tim Brown here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more questions for you. One guy who's been doing really well, especially the last two games, is running back Josh Jacobs and really allowed everyone to know that the identity of the Raiders runs through the, the running game and Josh Jacobs. What have you seen from him the past couple games? Man, I tell you, it's been great to see. I mean, this is probably as good of a year that uh, he's gotten off to than then maybe, you know, his rookie year, uh, I, I haven't looked at the numbers or whatever, but just watching him play and, um, I mean, he looks very healthy. I mean, he's bouncing up and, he, you know, even when he lays there for, for a minute, he bounces up, goes out, comes right back, <laughs> and he's running that rock, man. It, it's really impressive to see. 
Um, you know, it's amazing what a brother do with his contract year. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> it's amazing. He probably go to bed at nine o'clock every night, uh, drinking his milk in the morning and uh, and getting that thing done, man. But you know, he's really helping himself for sure, man. I think um, uh, you know, watching him run versus uh, KC Monday night was super impressive. It really was, and and you could tell that, like you said, he's running with a purpose, so uh, I, I really enjoy watching what Josh Jacobs is able to do, and you know, you look at the schedule, and obviously the Texans are up next week seven, it's at Allegiant Stadium, but everyone's talking about, well, you know, the, the schedule is a, is a lot easier right now, there's four or five wins, and you know, I know you even talked about, hey, I think that they can go on a nice run. How does the team, how do the players in that locker room, and even the coaches, just keep them focused at one game at a time? Yeah, you know, again, I, I think because you have, you know, a, a, a great leader in Derek Carr and, um, you know, uh, Matt Max is, is certainly a guy who I, I look at as being a leader on the team and uh, Chandler coming from where he came from and his years in the league uh, should be able to uh, impress upon everybody also. Man, look, all we have to do is look at the film. Yeah, there, there, there are things to correct without a doubt. But at the same time, if we keep playing with this effort, you know, uh, you know, things are going to go well for us. And, you know, this this time of the year, man, when the weather starts to change, man, attitudes about football starts to change, too. <laughs> so, um, you know, when you have teams that are out of it, you know, they'll they'll play like they're out of it. And, you know, at one and four, you know, the Raiders could beat that team. But I just don't believe that uh, the guys in the locker room is going to let that happen. Uh, they got too much to play for, and um, and you know again they were in a similar situation. Maybe not this far under under five hundred, but they've been here before, man. They can make this thing happen. They just gotta keep keep playing, man, and keep practicing hard, doing all that stuff, but just make it happen on the field. Last one for me, Notre Dame this past Saturday, they were at Allegiant Stadium taking on BYU, and it was a green out in the stadium. How was it seeing your alma mater play here in Vegas? Man, I tell you what, that was that was really amazing, you know, to walk in that stadium and to see how it was decorated and everything, you know, uh, Notre Dame was a uh, really amazing moment. I, I think it would have been more overwhelming to me if I had actually played in the stadium, you know what I mean? But uh <laughs> Uh, but it, it was it was great to see, man. It was a great night, and Notre Dame played an incredible football game and and uh, beat a pretty good BYU football team pretty solidly, I think. So uh, it was great to see. You know, one guy that I root for is is Coach Marcus Freeman. I, I liked his uh, his rise to where he's at right now. You know, from Cincinnati as a defensive coordinator, Notre Dame's defensive coordinator. Now he's the head man. Uh, what have you thought about Marcus Freeman? Have you had a chance to talk to him? Oh yeah, I talk to him. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say all the time, but when I'm up there, I'll try and. Uh, grab a couple of minutes with him just to, you know, encourage him and keep him going, man, because that's, that's the name of the game. You know, I, I tell him all the time what you're trying to do could possibly change college football, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, because of the way you're doing it. So uh, so just keep keep fighting, keep, keep, keep the thing going, man. You know, hey, you know, we had a big setback versus Marshall, but, you know, things like that happen sometimes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they've been playing great football, man, so if they can run the table here, you know, it'd be an incredible year for us. Speaking of running the table, I know I said the last one, <laughs> but in two weeks, you're going to be taking on UNLV, my alma mater. When you're the big dog on campus when it comes to college football, how is it when you're playing a team that 
When you're playing those smaller teams, <laughs> they're looking at it. This is our college championship because I know that if UNLV beats Notre Dame, they won't. I won't. Well, I won't <laughs> shut up. I'll be. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be talking about it like we did it. I'll say we. Oh, unbelievable. But, right, right, what's right, the, right, what's right. the what's that mindset well, when you're taking on those lowest level schools? The, yeah, what is the first thing they tell you at Notre Dame? The first week you get there is we are the biggest game on everybody's schedule, mm-hmm. and uh, and you and you got to believe that. And uh, so early in my career. You know, we played Michigan, Michigan State, and Purdue. Those are our first three games of the year. You know what I mean? Every year. You know, so that's a heck of a way to start a season. <clears throat> but then we would get into the Navies and, you know, those kind of, you know, schools. And, you know, but those games were almost tougher because maybe emotionally we didn't get up for those games like we did, you know, for those other three. But, you know, you quickly learn these Navy folks will hit you in the mouth and they can care less about you. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? So, um, and that, that's how you do it. You have to understand, man, this is for, for Marshall. It was the biggest game of the year for them, and they came in and solidly, you know, kicked Notre Dame's butt. I mean, that's, it was no doubt about that. So I, I think from that standpoint, man, you just got to be – you got to know that these guys are coming into play, and you got to go put them in their place right away. Otherwise, send them back to Vegas, man. Send them back. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. That's that's going to be a fun one. I know Demond's looking forward to seeing UNLV go up against Notre Dame. But yeah, I'm I'm rooting for Marcus Freeman. I, re- I have been all year long. Really like what he's doing. Of course, uh, Notre yeah. Dame, your alma mater as well. Well, Tim, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We appreciate you. Love the positivity, and that's what you need sometimes just to hear some positive words and some words of encouragement. So that's why we reach out to you. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Appreciate you, brothers. Take uh, care. All right, you too. There he goes, the Hall of Famer. That's how it goes down. The Hall of Famer, Tim Brown, right there. little positivity. Nothing wrong with that, man. And so, uh, you know, some encouragement right there from the Hall of Famer. I'm sure that, uh, you know, those conversations that he just had with us are conversations that have happened in the Raiders locker room. It really has. But uh, many thanks to Tim for giving us a few minutes of his time this afternoon. 2.48 at time. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Many thanks to the Hall of Famer Tim Brown for giving us a few minutes of his time this afternoon. That was great stuff. You can check it out later, lvsportsnetwork.com. Of course, DeMond always uh, puts up the podcast following the show, and please believe you'll hear some, if not all of that on the Lockdown Raiders podcast tomorrow. I'm just saying, when you get Tim Brown, man, you got to go ahead and and uh, spread the, the love right there a little bit. Sir Whiskey Ray hit us back up at 69187, keyword R&R. Thank you for this fantastic interview with the Hall of Famer and Raider great Tim Brown. I absolutely love his insight, and it's always great to hear him on the airways. His passion, positivity, and energy is contagious. I'd love to have him work in the Raiders front office. Cheers, Sir Whiskey Ray. And that was one of the main reasons that DeMond you know, mentioned bringing on Tim Brown is because of the tweets that he saw from him being pretty positive about the team even though they're sitting at one and four this one and four and I agree 100% this one and four feels different than a normal one and four like the Texans are coming in they have one win these two things don't look the same to me even though the records are similar and you are what your record is not trying to make excuses not trying to shine anything up but it just it just feels different like this one and four is different than a typical one and four we'll see how it all shakes out right they've got to go prove that that it is different but it just feels it just feels different, at least to me, where I'm standing at. 2.53 is the time. Let's go out to the phone lines, talk to our guy, Tim, in the Lone Star State. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hello. How y'all doing? Uh, we're blessed. Uh, I, I just want to say I enjoyed the interview with Tim Brown. Tim Brown is my favorite Raider of all time, my favorite player. I watched him play his whole career, uh, and I'm a Notre Dame fan, too. <laughs> so uh, Tim Brown is my, is my favorite player of all time. I was able to meet him one time down in Dallas. 
um, when I went down there. He, uh, he, uh, I still got his autograph on his rookie card. So he's mm-hmm. he's my favorite player of all time. Um, but um, I was going to ask you. I don't know if uh, I'm I'm pretty sure you heard about it. What do you think I, I, with all the stuff that's going on with how the NFL did with Gruden and all that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. What do you think about the stuff that came out today about uh about uh about Snyder? Some more stuff coming out on him uh, leading up to the owners meeting. Yeah, and thank you for the call, Tim. Appreciate you. It's always good to hear from you. And I'll say that was to me. Not that we didn't already know that he was a slime ball, but that just kind of let me know that he's a slime ball, right? And I have no doubt, and I read that thing up, down, backwards, sideways, every way you can read it. I read that report from ESPN, and uh, uh, Seth Wickerstam was one of them that put it out there. They did a fantastic job on that. And I actually am trying to get them, one of them, the three that wrote it on the show. I've already reached out to a couple different uh, outlets and was trying to reach out and get them on the show. Uh, if they're not on tomorrow, then they'll be on probably no later than Monday, right? I mean, we're going to get them on the show at some point to talk about their findings and all that. But I mean, it just further makes me believe that there's no doubt that the Gruden leaks, not that they not that they're right, not that you know, not that the things that you know he said or whatever were okay. Gotta make sure I put that out there. They definitely came from DC. There's no doubt that they came from DC. And I ain't talking about Derek Carr. They came from DC and I'm talking about Washington. They came from Daniel Snyder. They came from inside that building. There's no doubt about it. With all the things that have been said and all the you know, I'm not going to lose my team without a fight. I got something on everybody. I think that that was almost like a warning shot. Yeah, I got something on everybody. You want to see? Watch. We'll just take this coach down over there first, and then I'll bring the rest of you with me. But I'll tell you, the one place where he messed up, you know when they say, oh, you done messed up now? <laughs> he done pissed off Jerry Jones. Woo! Jerry Jones has turned eight, 80 today. Yeah. The real boss. The, exactly. Exactly. Roger Goodell is Roger Goodell, but Jerry Jones is the guy that stirs a drink, right? I know everyone doesn't like to admit that. Jerry Jones is the dude. He's the guy that makes a lot of things go. He don't pissed off Jerry Jones now. So now it's going to be interesting. But yeah, Tim, to answer your question without you know going on my soapbox and, and giving you a sermon, yeah, there's no doubt that that stuff with Gruden and everything came out of that building. Absolutely 100% believe it. And we'll have some folks on the show to talk about it at some point sooner rather than later. 2.56 is the time. When we come back, Robert Carr, NFL sideline photographer covering the Raiders since 2002. He'll join us to talk about, well, his his tactics on the sideline and the etiquette on the sideline and what he thinks of the whole Devontae Adams situation. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.